0: Hi everyone, my name is Sam. Welcome to Sam's Coffee Discussion. This is a podcast where my guests and I drink caffeinated drinks and talk about all things in life. So today is a special episode for a host of reasons. First of all, today we're not just talking about anything in life, we're actually talking about coffee. I know that this podcast title is Sam's Coffee Discussion, but... That has not been the focus of the podcast so far. So for this special episode, I want to be talking mostly about coffee with two special guests. The second reason why this episode is special is because this is the first time that I'm recording this podcast episode not physically in the same studio as my guest. They're actually in a different country from me right now. I'm in Vietnam. They're in the US. So yeah, I'm just really excited to have my two special guests who will introduce themselves on board with me today. So, Chi, why don't you go first?
1: Sure, yeah. My name is Chi, Feng I'm currently based in Los Angeles. I knew or got to know Sam last week or the, the other week through another friend. And yeah, I think I invited myself to her podcast because I kind of reached out to Sam because... I see that she's Vietnamese and she does coffee. And then she's like, Oh, I have another friend who loves coffee. And so I'm just honored that I am here. <laughs> Thank you, Sam.
0: <laughs> Thank you for coming today. And my other special guest, Luke, why don't you introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, I'm Luke. He, they pronouns. Sam and I met many years ago and worked together for many years and continue to work together at Spark Prep, where I'm the co-owner and founder of an admissions coaching education company for the last decade. I'm based in the San Francisco Bay Area here in Berkeley, and I also invited myself onto Sam's podcast <laughs> for similar reasons, because I, I've known that Sam loves coffee, and I also love coffee, and and but also just Sam's a super, super cool person Aww. with great thoughts, and I knew we'd have a great conversation. So yeah, excited to be here.
0: Thank you, Luke. And thank you, Chi. Um, It's funny because actually a couple of months ago, Luke reached out to me and was like, Sam, do you want to do a a podcast together? (laughs) Actually, a, a coffee podcast. And I'm so glad that we actually got the chance to do it, to make that a reality today. But anyway, since I'm not physically in the same place as you guys, I cannot introduce a drink. So why don't we just go ahead and introduce the drink that we're drinking today. It's currently 1040 p.m. So I'm not drinking coffee. But I thought really hard about some sort of lightly caffeinated drink, and I I ended up choosing boba because I'm in Vietnam, and it's like a heaven for boba here. So I'm drinking oolong tea with basic milk right now. What about you guys?
2: Is that a a recycled, recycled, reusable boba container? Yes! I love that.
0: Protect the environment. We love saving the environment
2: amazing i should get one of those i am drinking a long black that i made with some beans roasted by counterculture which is a durham-based roastery but they also have roastery uh here in the bay area so they were these were roasted locally this is a 50 50 ethiopia blend from the conga region and from the haru region um it's Roasted probably a little darker than I than I prefer, but it's actually but it's still a solid a solid bean. So I'm enjoying it, and I love that I can make long blacks at home now, which is wow.
0: What's the method? You just need good beans.
2: The method is pulling an espresso shot and adding a little bit of water, probably less water than you would add for an americano. I I found I go through these phases, but I'm definitely in an espresso. Mm. Um, phase I think it's espresso can be a really nice way to understand a particular bean what a pretentious way of saying that but
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's how I feel Mm. Uh, how about you Chief what are you you drinking today I'm drinking warm water with honey today
1: because I have it's a Friday I might have gone to a concert on Wednesday and so it's been a long week with so many different drinks. And I had some caffeinated boba milk last night. So I woke up this morning and my body is like, no, it's just water. And then you need some honey to calm your stomach down. So.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We love taking care of ourselves. So love that for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you can't tell yet, we have two coffee enthusiasts or three coffee enthusiasts. I'll count myself as well. Three coffee enthusiasts in the house today. So yeah, our topic today would be about our interests, about our passion, but more specifically coffee, because I think that's the one thing that we share deeply here among the three of us. But before we go into coffee, I just wanted to start, as always, with the questions, how are you doing?
1: I am doing well, honestly. This week has just been a lot of activities that I have been wanting to do. But because I had my two weddings, ceremonies, the last few months, and everything, never got time to actually do my pro the projects or the things that I want. So yeah, it's a muscle that you feel bad to do all the enjoyable and and manage. So I'm just like, okay, I'm getting back into it. It feels good because after a while, you pay attention to your family stuff. You get back into your full schedule of all that you want to do. It's very interesting. Chi, wow. did you
2: just get, did you, are you recently married?
1: Yeah. February. Congratulations. In Vietnam! Oh, Thank you. That's oh my
0: wonderful. God. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> wow.
2: That's great. Congratulations and blessings for a wonderful marriage ahead
1: yeah. and
2: the return to normal life, whatever normal life is. <laughs> Um, oh, I want to
1: know about you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing well. I I got a lot of cleaning done yesterday. We moved into a new apartment here in Berkeley, and I've been really, really focused this, at the beginning of the year, just keeping the space nice and clean we spent some time hanging some pictures this weekend so we got some photos on the wall which I feel really excited about and yesterday was a day of errands running to our storage unit and doing some shopping we had someone over for dinner last night and I cooked I'm also really into cooking in addition to coffee and so I cleaned everything pretty aggressively so yeah this, I like being in a comfortable space and the space today feels feels good
0: wow I love that feeling comfortable. In your own home, that's just such a good feeling.
2: Yeah. And I'm in love with where we live now. So yeah, definitely living in a space where you feel comfortable is 10 out of 10. That's awesome. well, how are you?
0: I would say I'm doing pretty good, but the last podcast episode that I recorded, I did it in Philly. Uh, when I'm in the U.S., I feel like it's much calmer than when I'm in Vietnam. Revisiting Vietnam, though, and readjusting to the life and the rhythm of life here, I feel like that's been kind of challenging in in multiple ways and also humbling in other ways. I've been spending a lot of time reflecting and trying to spend more time on myself and my passion. Uh, I'm also in Saigon right now, which is not my home base, but I absolutely love the city. And, you know, whenever I go to Saigon, it's almost like an opportunity for me to experience new things. And actually, before my trip, I was speaking to Chi and she recommended that I check out this particular cafe in Saigon and I've just been going every other day uh, attending all their workshops. I did flat hair art and sensory training and all about hand brew. I have another one coming up in two days actually and I'm very excited about it. So it's just been a good time. Obviously a lot of soul searching in the past two weeks but also a good time in terms of allowing myself to fully dive into this interest into this hobby and not putting the pressure on myself to have to make something out of it you know because I'm just type of person who when I spend time on something I constantly think about how I can move forward with it or what like I should do to expand it or expand my expertise in it but then I realize that I can just enjoy coffee without having to become something or make something out of it so it's been yeah almost deliberating to be involved in you know these workshops so just giving them a shout out 96B Cafe and Roaster but anyway, I think that this is a good, and it was not intentional, but I think that was a very good segue into the next question that I wanted to ask both of you, and maybe I can also answer these questions later too, but what does coffee really mean to you? Since you're both really interested in it, and you enjoy drinking a good cup of coffee, you both reach out to me to speak about coffee, I'm just curious, what does coffee mean to you? I'll go
2: first to you so you can <laughs>
0: not,
2: be, not be on the spot. I... I think about what coffee means so much because I think being in the Bay Area where second wave coffee has taken off and you have a professional class, tech people, finance people, who like think of coffee as... A luxury experience in, in many cases, where at least you have a population who think of coffee as a luxury experience, as contrasted with, with what coffee is for most people, which is a caffeinated beverage to get you through the day that you put in your pot brewer and, and don't think about so much. And I think it's both things, right? It is both a day to day beverage that you don't think about and it's a luxury item. And it's a drug, right? Coffee is also fundamentally a drug. It is, particularly in America, it is people's drug of choice. And I think we forget that it is literally a stimulant. I think for me, coffee straddles the world between tasty beverage, but because I'm a nerd and I think about coffee from a little bit of a science perspective and I think about where the beans are grown and how they're roasted and the roasting method and and all different brewing methods and ideal extraction and ratios and math, it's a hobby, right? For me, coffee has become a hobby that I think about and I study and I research and I watch YouTube videos and I listen to podcasts and there's information that I'm trying to absorb somewhat like you, Sam, right? Like just, it's a site of learning for me because I'm a learning person and I think you are too, it's a place where I just get to exercise the skill of learning, whether that improves my coffee experience or not. <laughs> and sometimes it really doesn't. Sometimes it leads you down a rabbit hole where you're like, wow, this really just isn't for me. So I think coffee has become at least both hobby and site of learning. And I think it it's okay to do that at the moment, just because we're in this exciting period where people are learning a lot about coffee. And you have coffee influencers. That's a thing, right? There are yeah. coffee influencers who are are brilliant, right? James Hoffman has Mm -hmm. has really kind of blown open, I think, the world of science and technique from a popular he's not the only one doing that, but like people on YouTube whose entire platform is just coffee. And you have multiple of those people. And that's kind of wild. Yeah. I don't think that that would have existed even 10 years ago. So I think I you know I feel fortunate to be alive in this moment to be able to learn from people who know a lot about coffee, who've studied it, who researched it and have been able to synthesize that information in a way that I can access it so yeah I think coffee is a perfect site for me to be a nerd
1: wow yeah I mean I can't be as technical and nerdy as a lot of people in coffee so I'm just glad I meet you today Luke. so I like, have someone that close to me to talk about more because for a long long time I just didn't accept that coffee is my hobby in a way of like uh, is that all? But there's just so much more to it. And I started to accept that oh, actually all the time that I spent at the coffee shop, I was just like, oh, am I just scrolling on the internet? You would just consider those time like kind of wasted time in a lot of sense. But I, I look back, and I'm like, no, that's all the time that I spent on a hobby. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know, but I just look to other people and when people say hobby, it seems like they're doing something that is getting to somewhere or meaningful or skill building. And I don't consider that for coffee just because it has always been like a drink or a reason I meet my friends in Vietnam. Look, I think you've been to Vietnam, right? Many
2: times. Yeah, Yeah,
1: many times, yes. And so, yeah, when you say tea cafe, it's just like, oh, go chat, go hang out. So mm-hmm. it's it, in Vietnam, it's just so casual. It's just into everyday. And in the U.S., it's kind of like separated or differentiated. Anyways, I think, yes, coffee is my hobby. It's a window into cultures for me, right? Because, yeah, how you learn about the in the in the countries. And one thing I still haven't done is, for example, learning about Ethiopia, learning about Brazil, learning about those countries. Mm-hmm. You see all the times on your coffee bags. You don't actually know about those countries, and that's a disservice to those people who does that. And in a lot of ways, it goes in now into sustainability and climate and all of that. I think coffee connects, and that's another thing with connection around coffee. It's around people right. It brings people together. yeah, it's a ritual and it's a way for me to connect with my own culture. Um, I think you mentioned earlier when we were not on recording that yeah every time every year you go back to Vietnam, there're like more and more specialty coffee shops and stuff and every t- every year in the recent at least five years i go went back or have been back, there's some development in the lifestyle that was embodied through the scene of coffee shops mm-hmm. like three years ago, I went back in Hanoi, there's only ACA and La Vie, and one more. That were like three big ones, the pioneers. While in Saigon, there were like 10 or 20, because Workshop Cafe started so long Mm ago. And the generation of baristas just like spread out and opened their own. It's so inspiring to see that. And then a, a year after that, it was like 10 more in Hanoi. And this year, I went back, and it's just like the the norm to like open that kind of space. So it's just so interesting to see how Vietnam economy and as a country developed throughout the year. So with the coffee scene, and I think it's not like what wave right now. It's like fifth yeah, wave or something. Fourth, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thank you, look for opening up because that kind of helped me. <laughs> reflect on my own definition of coffee
2: (laughs) yeah i think i think the juxtaposition between coffee culture in the u.s and coffee culture in vietnam is so so fascinating because coffee culture in vietnam already existed before before third wave coffee or specialty coffee even hit the scene before people started to be like obsessed with arabica beans robusta in Vietnam dominated and continues to dominate as you said not as people obsessed with a bean but as a daily ritual of like when you say di cafe you're going to hang out and you're going to go anywhere you're going to go literally anywhere right and the experience is largely standardized when you get fiend, when you're going to drink fiend, most of it is going to taste pretty similar there's variation right you have higher Mm -hmm. quality or lower quality and and I think you know the had had standardized good coffee, good Robusta coffee for like a long time. Mm. Uh, And then you have the Highlands who, you know, brought it to the masses a little bit. Right. But I think it's interesting to see, you know, how in Hanoi you have all these maybe not specialty coffee shops for like the last 20 years or so. Oh, yeah. And then as specialty coffee shops started popping up, you would see V60 in these other non-specialty coffee shops. Yeah. Like they start to mm-hmm. carry a beans. So the way that it would kind of filter, uh-huh, filter right. into like the broader <laughs> coffee culture was really, has been really interesting to see just because it's almost, I hate to say it, but like a little bit of a market demand where now, particularly millennials and Gen Z who are, more accustomed to drinking pour-over coffee or know about pour-over coffee or Chemex coffee, it's starting to be carried in more of these kind of like corner store cafes. I don't know what you would call them. What do you call this? Like the street side cafes that are like ubiquitous. I think you just call them cafes. Yeah. Yeah. But they have also changed a little bit. They used to all just be 100% fiend, but increasingly you see a little bit of pour-over popping up. And that's just so fascinating to me. The change, like the slight change in culture.
0: And even, so this summer, I, I just came back a few weeks ago, right? And the, the first thing that I remember was, you know, see what you said before about how there's this little shift in the lifestyle and you can see it embodied in the shift in the coffee culture. Because I remember that before this summer, whenever I would go back to Vietnam, I would never be able to find any other kind of milk besides just <laughs> cow, cow milk. And that used to not be a problem for me, but I've shifted completely to oat milk in the past two years. And this summer, what I've noticed is that when I go back to Vietnam, having alternative milk is now a unique selling point. You can stand out at a cafe if you have oat milk or soy milk or other kind of milk that is not just cow milk. And I'm like, that's interesting. That's a very small thing. But I'm noticing this trend towards whatever is happening around the world, like whatever I'm seeing in the U.S., I can go back to Vietnam and like seeing those small changes taking place in like Vietnamese cafes as well. Yeah. And it's why, and even within Vietnam, right? Like Hanoi cafes and Saigon cafes are different. They have different culture, different style, different preferences, different types of beans. And I'm just like this has really been a, a study in cafe in in coffee. For me, just like taking this opportunity to, you know, um I I went to a lot of different places in Hanoi. Now like I've been going to a lot of different places in Saigon and I'm just like noticing those like slight differences and like, you know, some cafes that they even have this entire booklet to introduce the beans that they're using, like where where the source is from, like it's all single origin, etc. And then you have like those sidewalk cafes that just you know, you just sit there. With a couple other people in those tiny little stools, and they just like chat, and so it's it, yeah, I absolutely relate to what you've been saying about how the coffee culture kind of embodies the lifestyle, and the changes that you can see in the lifestyle as well.
2: I think one of the things that's so fascinating, particularly about Vietnam, and I think I think Saigon to a degree as well, is like trends spread like wildfire. They spread yeah. oh, so yeah. fast, and you can th- you can see this in in boba. Right. You remember when all the boba shops popped up in a year, maybe like in right. two years, this was maybe like a yeah. decade ago, just like a little bit before you had like Koi exploded in Saigon. Mm-hmm. You had, was it t- Tiger, Tiger Cafe? Or Tiger,
0: Tiger Sugar.
2: There was Tiger Sugar. And then there was a few others. There's Chat Time. And, and my point is boba got popular and then boba got really popular. And then there were hundreds of boba shops all across Hanoi. And, and it's so city.
1: popular. I'm so jealous with like boba yeah. business people. I feel like they're, they're, they're fine for the rest of their lives. For the rest of their lives, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, Koi, but Koi also built a model. But then you'd see, you know, the street sellers also would start selling boba milk tea. My, my point is, like, the trends mm. happen so fast. And I think the you see something similar with the alternative milks, like the oat milks. And soy milk has existed in Vietnam forever, right. Never re- were particularly concerned about putting that into coffee, but <laughs> oat milk as an alternative is popping up really quickly. And I think that that is something that's so unique about Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh City. I was thinking about this in terms of, Sam, have you had a Cafe Ien in, yeah. uh, in Hanoi? And, of course. The, are, they the, <laughs> <laughs> are, they
0: the, are
2: they the ones, there's another one that does like Sapa, they do a Cafe Sapa. Uh, yeah. It's like cream and it's so good, so good and no. it's, like, so bad for you, but so good. Right? So,
0: it's so, so much sugar. milk,
1: it's so much fat, and, yeah. It's sugar. so good.
2: <laughs> it's so much, but, and, like, but then, like immediately people start copying it, right? Oh, yeah. Like, um, like, immediately, and then, and this is one of the things that's, like, really unique, I think, about Vietnamese coffee culture, is something catches on, and then it spreads so fast, and then people iterate, like, because people are so inventive and so thoughtful, and I. I haven't been back in a year, so I don't know what the new cafe yin or the new Sapa cafe style is. But I'm sure it exists. I think people yeah. are so experimental and feel really creative with coffee in Ho Chi Minh City and Hanoi, and that's so exciting.
1: I think the people just adapt like in a second, in the next hour, if you want. Of course, there is some cost or something to it, but people just turn things around so quickly. But also, it's because of the not small the city is dense populated and stuff but in ge- geographically right the cities are small enough for things to be turned over so quickly and people mm. are just like all right if the next door business my competitor is doing something we need to get that done and i don't know about teamwork or, or something but the vietnamese people just get things done really quickly in terms of business and competition mean, strategy wise, and a lot of other things like there's a trade off to that, like war culture. But yeah, when you talk about F and V, the trends caught on so quickly.
0: Yeah, Sorry. do you know that Vietnam Airlines even sells boba now on the plane? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: it's wild, and yeah, what you said, Luke, about how. The people are so experimental with coffee. I think that's what I noticed too, is that you go to a cafe in Saigon or Hanoi or anywhere, right? Like you see these extremely creative menu items that I don't think I've ever seen anywhere. Like earlier, I mean, I follow a bunch of like coffee Instagrams. And then earlier, this place, Mono Coffee Lab, was introducing their drink with matcha and coffee and Greek yogurt. And I'm like, I've never seen that combination anywhere else. And I'm a little nervous to try, but I definitely would want to try to see what coffee and Greek yogurt taste like together. And, you know, and so also kind of connecting back to your point to Chi, about how coffee being a hobby and that's it, I feel like I've been very similar to you in, in the sense that... I guess similar to both of you in the sense that coffee really has been a learning site for me. And I used to just, I mean, I used to think like you see, like I used to just think like, Oh, I'm just drinking like a tasty drink. Right. It's not even like something that wakes me up. Coffee has no uh, impact on me anymore, but I just drink it because I like it because it's good. But then I also used to think like, Oh, like I'm into coffee. I am into coffee. I'm into drinking it. I'm, I'm into like, you know going exploring different coffee shops and kind of just enjoying the environment but it feels it also feels kind of tame and kind of lame in many ways like just like people have more interesting hobbies but lately you know going to these workshops and also just talking to people about coffee I've been listening to like podcasts, and I realized that there are so many interesting things to learn surrounding the coffee culture also like like learning about the the place where the beans, like where you can find the beans, where they grow the beans. Um, I realized that I didn't even know what a coffee tree looked like until like a few months ago, I went to uh, a botanic garden and then there was like a coffee tree and I'm like, is this is what it looks like. And then I felt so ashamed in that moment because I thought that I was into coffee, but I didn't even know what a coffee tree looked like, you know? So I guess like that's a, a roundabout way to lead to my next question and I, I think that you both answered it a little bit but what does being into coffee really mean? How can we be like into coffee or how do how do you interpret being into coffee and how did you start getting into coffee?
2: It's, I think it's such an interesting question because I think there's such a spectrum and I think for me it comes I'll get a little political here I think there's a component of wanting to be a, a conscious consumer that being into coffee right. serves for me i I want to know you know like fifteen years ago, you started to see at least in the United States, you started to see things like fair trade pop mm-hmm. up, and the idea of fair trade brings up the notion that well, there wasn't fair trade for the majority of the coffee supply chain, right You look at like yeah. Folgers and Maxwell House and a lot of like the really big producers and starbucks and and are are not really, haven't really been conscientious about their supply chain and there's a lot of worker exploitation. And she, as you were mentioning, to drink coffee that comes from Brazil, which is a huge coffee producer, or Indonesia, or Vietnam, which is a huge coffee, coffee. producer and a huge coffee exporter, and to not really be aware of <clears throat> the working conditions, the the economic conditions and the the environmental conditions, right, are mm-hmm. the beans being produced in a way that stewards the land and is careful with the land. So to a degree, I think like being into coffee, you can be into coffee and not be a conscientious consumer. But for me, I think it's a way for me to learn about are the things that I'm consuming harming the environment,
0: mm-hmm.
2: not helping the environment? Are they are they serving to bolster right now? We, now you have a lot of coffee cooperatives like we've moved away from. Mm-hmm even labeling a lot of bags as fair trade because many of the workers, at least for specialty coffee, own a lot of the supply chain that they're that they're feeding into. So there's been a movement to and I don't know what proportion or percentage of coffee that overall impacts, but I think there's a movement, at least in specialty coffee, to have more equity in the coffee development process. And I think you see that like in little sites in across the coffee producing world both in central america south america in vietnam and, and and in the pacific and in africa it's it's definitely not perfect and we have a long long way to go i think the other thing about being into coffee is these conversations you connect with people who are really enthusiastic about the drink and having seen the delta between where we've come from and growing up and being like i don't care about that beverage like my my parents are just drinking whatever coffee and throwing milk and sugar, and it's a utility beverage for them. It's not right. that delicious when you're like six seven and then all of a sudden you get into your twenties and people have like really brought a lot of precision to the brewing method, the roasting method, the processing method, the development method, and really thought about every moment in the supply chain from mm. planting the seed to brewing the cup, which did not happen twenty years ago and so I think being into coffee allows people like us to talk about like well, what are you, what are you drinking today? And what's been interesting to you? And what are you learning? And then there's all the ancillary aspect of being into coffee there's the latte art, which like, I don't even care about anymore, <laughs> but like used to be really cool and it's still cool. And people do wild things with latte art. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Um, and then of course there's like the, again, the regionality where whenever, whenever I travel, the first thing I'm Thinking of is where is there good coffee, and that's the first thing that I look at on the internet. where is a good coffee yeah. shop <laughs> i look at I look at Google, I look at Yelp, I look at the internet. Is there a good coffee shop? and then I want to know what does a good coffee shop mean in that location? right? Mm. We were in my partner and I were in Italy, and Italy's coffee culture could not be uh. more different from the u s coffee culture to Vietnam's sure. coffee culture. Every corner store has an espresso machine, and espresso is one euro. Maybe one euro fifty, and you go up to the little bar and you say, Can I have a coffee? and then they give it to you, and it is no frills. There's like no discussion. (laughs) You have no idea where the beans came from, you have no idea what the ratios are. But that's not what it's about. It's about the exchange. You have a little chit chat, it's a super cheap experience, and then you're on your way. And that's so fascinating to me because it's ubiquitous, and everybody in Italy does it. Well, at least it seems like everybody does it. (laughs) So I, I think because because coffee culture is so regional, it's a site to learn about people and have conversations like, "What's your life like, and how does your family and your people and your your local community how do they orient to coffee?" So yeah, the caffeine is hitting my system right now, which is
0: why, so, which is why
2: my answer is a little just so long articulate. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> it's very clear you're super enthusiastic about this topic. So what about you, Chief? I, I, yeah, I think you
1: hit all the all the cures. I love that. So first of all, yeah, being consci- conscientious and just like coffee is another agricultural product. Just like you eat an avocado, you eat rice, you eat anything during the day. And so there's a process to it. There are humans behind it. There are science. There's also just not science. Like you said, it's a commodity. So, it's just like I just love the diversity of the shape of coffee. It can mean so many things to different people. Um, To me, first reason I got into coffee that I didn't realize, but yeah, this is a, a journey of like self reflection, looking back, and you realize. So, coffee to me, it's a lot of time, it's like my therapist. So, first reason I got more into coffee is my now my friend Thu from Vietnam Cafe Project shout out to the team Ooh, her. Philly based uh, <laughs> yep yeah, Philly based is a Vietnamese she, she's Vietnamese study and living in the US for 10 years starting a business here uh, and I just got on a, a webinar that day and I saw my friend's name the other friend's name on the list I'm like hey you're here too it's like yeah I'm fine with Thu she's next door I'm like what? That's so cool! I want to talk to her. I want to get into coffee more serious, because I have been. I then I realized I have been to go going to coffee shop like my whole life basically, and there's a period of time where when I was really sick and I was like on my recovery like time, mm-hmm. and I went to coffee shop every day, and I mean like I was out of college, so spending five bucks right uh, every day on a coffee you kind of have have some justification for spending that money but it was so important to me because every day I go to coffee shop I was able to reflect on the pain I felt or what the doctor said to me things like that it was just a lot of time to decompress and not freak out and that's why going into coffee shop is like going to therapy to me and everything is just in a cup. And you kind of contextualize life and unfit. Like, okay, don't freak out. Everything can start from here. Everything can be compact. In this one little pretty drink. Well, when I say pretty, I don't just mean cappuccino or latte art. But I just mean there's a lot that go into that drink. And every day I get to choose different shops to go. A different vibe. If today I want to be productive, there's this vibe that I can choose. If today I want to be on more on my book or thinking about things, I can choose an, a lower table at a more noisy space than somewhere that I can be productive on my laptop, right? things like that. And so that helped me to like, wow, actually I love Vietnamese coffee. Well, I love coffee, especially Vietnamese coffee, because of the aroma. My grandfather made coffee every day. My mom, yeah, she makes like chung win or whatever every day. It's just instant coffee, but it tastes so good. And it was like a drug <laughs> when you're little and you get to sift a little bit of it, right? And yeah, my grandma passed away, but now I went back home. His fin is still there, right? And it's just like, oh, wow, there's a, there's a legacy. There's a tradition here. It's passed through generation. It means something. My mom gets coffee. From the shop next door, that like they know what she wants. They know like the size of her mark and things like that. And that's the start of the day. And to me, too, honestly, sometimes I make coffee, not to drink, but just the habit of how I wake up. And sometimes when at work, when things go crazy, I go into my kitchen because I work from home. I go into my kitchen and I start making things and just to kind of, all right, untangle everything and be grounded. Uh, and yeah, I love how you mentioned when travel to so look that up. I'm like, alright, there are some want I'll do the same thing I do because it's kind of giving me some first indicator into the lifestyle or the culture of where I am. And that's where I start to yeah, explore and expand into my journey
0: or yeah, of where I am. So yeah. <laughs> wow. That's really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that's actually making me think of my earliest memory of drinking coffee, which is when I was very, very young, maybe too young to be drinking coffee. I think I was probably like in elementary school, but early enough for my brothers to still be, maybe also be in elementary school. And I remember this was the day of the Lunar New Year. So it's Lunar New Year Eve. And we're we're trying to stay awake because back when I was a kid, it's still happening now. It's less fun when, when you're older. But when you're a kid, my brother and I and my entire family used to be obsessed with the Baogun show, which is the show that they put on every single year for Lunar New Year. And it, it, it used to be so funny to me when I was a kid. And so my brother and I would always try to stay up to watch the entire show. And that year was the first year that my brother decided that he would have coffee to help him stay awake. And this was, I'm talking coffee like instant coffee. It's not like, you know, you pull in a espresso shot and stay awake like, the entire night. This was literally like, I think it was like go Bunny or Nescafe nice or something. I don't remember. But it was like just a tiny little pack of instant coffee. I've never had coffee before. So my brother let me have a sip. And back then it was like, this is so bitter. I do not like it. But somehow that memory still stuck with me to this day. as kind of like my first introduction to coffee. and. And somehow along the way, I start to enjoy and grow to love that that taste of coffee. And I, I realize it's not just all bitter. I right? am learning, getting a little annoying with, with my tasting, but recognizing there's these notes and like acidity in it. And there's like the sweetness in it as well. And I just feel like drinking coffee, to me, being into coffees, being able to kind of unpack that kind of flavoring and the scent too, like the aroma. I recently learned that. Scent makes up 80% of taste. So what you're tasting yeah. comes from smell. And I'm like, that is mind-blowing to me. But now I understand why, like, I love coffee houses and coffee shops because, like, I just feel absolutely at peace when I'm there. And I think it's, like, in large part because of the coffee, the, the smell of coffee, right? Yeah. Um, how about you guys? What, what is your first memory of coffee? I'm curious.
2: My first memory of coffee is hating it and and i think we probably all have a memory of the caffeine hitting your system way harder than you expect <laughs> and i remember getting decaf coffee at brunch and being 100% sure that they filled my mug with regular coffee and it was like a big american sized <laughs> mug that was 16 ounces it was way too big <laughs> and i didn't think about it until i started feeling like i was going to die because i had just been pounding through this mug you know you know how like at, at brunch in the united states they'll just refill and like mm-hmm. so i probably drank and this is when i had like no tolerance but i was just there for the flavor because i always love coffee as a flavor but i just remember i don't know being like someone had just put epinephrine immediately oh. like through my system and being like oh i'm gonna die this is how i go
0: <laughs> so my
2: first co- my first like memory i'm sure i'd had coffee before that right like Starbucks Frappuccinos when you're like in high school. Oh God,
0: and my first my first <laughs> clear memory is
2: being like, oh, I'm I'm not a coffee person because I can't handle coffee. And then I I think probably honestly like getting into coffee in Vietnam and when being from the United States and going to Vietnam and having access to the uh, Noda mm. for the first time or, and being like, this is a perfect beverage, and I can't believe I paid. 20,000 BND for this perfect (laughs) beverage and it's like two ounces of liquid maybe and it's gone way faster than you want it to go (laughs) and then you're having this conversation with yourself you're like can I have another no absolutely (laughs) not because I will die and probably (laughs) it's not very good for you but just like that experience of having no doubt and having it be ubiquitous and being like, there's something special here, and not and and wanting to learn more about it. I think in those early days of being in Vietnam, and that was 2000 and 2012, I think 2012 or 2013 was the first time I went to Vietnam. And I, so I think, yeah, actually, I probably should credit Vietnam for really getting <laughs> me coffee. And actually, then in later, that, you, sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, now that you mentioned no dad, to no dad's just like coffee with condensed milk, right? That's like very common a drink that, in yeah. Vietnam, and yeah, a little bit of milk and. It's funny because I was talking to someone a couple of weeks or a few weeks ago in the U.S. and when I was telling them that, you know, I made them a coffee and I was telling them this is Vietnamese coffee because I use beans from Vietnam. They were shocked, completely amazed because it was not the coffee with condensed milk that they're used to seeing in Vietnamese restaurants, right? So somehow a lot of people have this assumption that Vietnamese coffee is coffee with condensed milk like everything is boiled down to that one drink no doubt which you can get for less than a dollar in vietnam but probably becomes like five bucks in the u.s but that also makes me think of like this whole discussion that we've had about being a, a conscious consumer right and and being um curious about the culture surrounding the coffee itself and i recently listened to a podcast episode interviewing jackie nguyen she's uh, a a the owner of Cafe Cafe in Kansas City. And this is an episode, a podcast episode um, on Boss Barista, which also she recommended to me. But that episode, Jackie Nguyen was talking about how a lot of people don't know that Vietnam is like the second uh, largest coffee export in the world. They don't know why, you know, you know they assume that the, or they um, subsume, I guess, Vietnamese coffee into this one particular drink. And they don't even know why we use condensed milk. And so that made me realize. Right, like a lot of a lot of what what we understand of coffee, or what other people understand of coffee, just a facet of coffee culture around the world, and that is just so fascinating to me. But anyway, Chi, what about you? What is your earliest oh, memory of coffee?
1: Yeah, I think like I said like my mom's instant coffee every morning. I just still remember the sip of goodbye or something like that. Yeah, that definitely started. So I definitely have a very good experience when i start because i'm so fortunate to be in a country that yeah makes such addicting coffee
0: what about moving forward what's next for you what is there something more you want to do with your coffee and it's totally fine if the answer is no because we've all agreed that we don't have to necessarily make something out of your hobby but is there anything else if there is anything that you would like to do yeah. more with coffee? It's tempting to do more serious, like a coffee cart. It's
1: so risky to say it right now when it's still an idea. But yeah. You kind to of manifest it. Yeah. <laughs> um. I think another example of how it helps you to, to be in more of the culture and the community is I think a coffee cart is a great way for me to be more with the the area I'm in, I lived here for two years, but I don't feel that connection with people really around here. I have friends, but not like neighbor or like neighborhood feel that I have. And I'm like, yeah, I also like, like to just do more with logistics and the little things and getting things done and introducing. And yeah, I don't think there's any way I we people can get a good vietnamese coffee that we all know here around where i live and so Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. but it will just be a
1: part-time yeah
2: have you guys had win coffee supply Mm. sarah sarah Mm wins coffee out of out of brooklyn i like Mm -hmm. i've liked what she's doing at least at least her mission of really educating the u.s around around robusta yes which has been such a maligned bean. And there's a lot of racism, I think, tied up in the way that Robusta is viewed sure. in the specialty coffee scene. The irony being that so many Americans drink Robusta without even knowing it, but then somehow don't think of it as a high quality bean. And I think I think Sarah Nguyen is doing a lot to kind of transform that that understanding or that perception in the United States. Anyway, I just, I like her work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Sam, I I don't know what my next move is. I think... I'm I'm close to kind of having tapped out what I can do at home. I have so many coffee tools at home. I think I have all the coffee tools. Yeah, and I it's not clear to me. I you know I'm always thinking about like oh should I should I do should I open a cafe because that would just be fun. But I don't know that like the world necessarily needs another cafe or needs something that I would run. <laughs> And and living living in the Bay Area where there's just so many roasters right. doing incredible work who are like so much more skilled and knowledgeable. I'm not sure really what I have what I have to add other than like passion. So <laughs> I, you know I, I don't I don't know. I think always interested in.
1: Yeah, I don't know. We should talk more because I I told Sam what something else I want to do about like the I I haven't found a word about like the the. The group of people in the in the US that work on Vietnamese coffee, they are more and more growing, but people are not connected. So I really want to work on more connectivity. I know that from a business sense, not everyone wants or needs to connect with each other, especially in the commodity space. People want to have their own trade secret, and there's not always like a conference that everyone wants to go to. But I think there's value of connecting on something that is that has so much potential and there's a lot of stories to tell. There's still value of, of connecting those business people in the U.S., working on that or caring about that. Yeah, yeah. just like a magazine or something. I don't know. The reason I, I just decided to like do a coffee cart is because I feel like I know a, a, enough of resources and knowledge to turn this into something actually, Like I don't know, it makes sense. And because of other selfish reasons, too, like I said, like connecting with my neighborhood, that's one excuse. I think a coffee is just an excuse to do so many things. Yeah. And I think we all mentioned about it, yeah.
2: I mean, because everybody that I know loves coffee. I think I don't think I know anybody who who doesn't. I mean, in Vietnam, literally, all my staff drink coffee and love coffee. I think Zoe Mchang were just like you know they constantly were putting me on to, to new coffee. Shout out Zoe Mchang. So like yeah, you know, we have. I think everybody we know at least is aware that coffee is the best, and maybe not at our level of enthusiasm and obsession, <laughs> but you know,
0: yeah.
2: appreciation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the idea of coffee as a connecting point as well, not just as a learning site, but as, um, like you said, an excuse to do so many things. And one of those things being get to, getting to know other people, right? Um, this idea of a thing that universally, Vietnam or U.S. or elsewhere, when you invite someone out for a coffee or say, let's grab a coffee, a lot of the time that's a starting point. Um, for mm. a conversation right for them to, uh, for people to get to know each other better and I think I love that idea and I think that having that sort of connectivity that sort of community would be an amazing thing so she I'm rooting for you <laughs> for me my next step is learning I realize that there's so much I don't know about coffee yeah. about the culture about the beans about things just related to coffee and I realized that for how much I love drinking the drink and how much I love exploring the spaces and for how much I love posting about the drinks and talking about the drinks, I want to educate myself a little bit more, uh, a lot more, I guess, uh, to fully understand like what I'm talking about and to be able to say, oh, I love this particular coffee because, da-da-da-da. you know, not just like I obviously I can feel it. I, I can feel that I love this particular drink, but I want to understand it more deeply so I can love it even more than I already do. So for me, I'm content with just learning more about it now. Yeah, yeah. And I love the fact that this call, this episode right here, I think is the embodiment of what we've been talking about. Like everything we've been talking about, coffee as a, as a way to connect people, right? Because I mean, Luke and I have known each other for a long time she and I have known each other for like three weeks and looking to you guys are meeting each other for the first time today right and so but we were able to have such a lively conversation about something that that we all love and I think that that's just like such a great example of how coffee can bring people together um yeah so I I, I love this and I want to see more of this happening so if if you decide to make a coffee tea, or Loki, if you decide to just like spread your love and passion for coffee to other people, I'd love to see that happen. And I'm cheering you both on. Thanks for your time. Also, love. On. I
1: heard that your enthusiasm about durian or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's for. <laughs> I want to learn about it. That might be for another episode. <laughs> yes. But yeah, the, the enthusiasm for coffee and the enthusiasm for durian, depending on which day. One is higher than okay. the other. Okay, yeah.
1: durian coffee—that's something you can bring to the Bay Area.
2: Literally, it exists in in Vietnam and in Singapore. Durian coffee. Yes,
1: and not here, and not I here. Know.
2: Shocking. I Shocking. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you imagine if that was the way that durian broke into white people culture? Is through durian cafe sozia? That would be wild. Uh, yes.
1: And you're uh, you're you have the pet pattern. You have the IP for it, so <laughs> I, don't
2: if I believe in IP. That would be ironic. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine can you imagine a white guy IPing cafe so? Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, and you partner. I would get, can, get cancelled
2: online so fast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we all love this cannot be but yeah.
0: <laughs> Anyway, mm-hmm. before we wrap up, is there anything that you would like to say to the audience, to people out there who are also excited
1: about coffee? Mm, I just wanna say thank you, Sam, honestly, for doing this. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. And I heard you have another one that you've been doing a long time. So I just Oh yeah, really that one's <laughs> in
0: But yeah, thank you so much for coming on to the episode.
2: Thanks, Sam. Bye.